I love that song. Has Jesus ever showed up right on time in your life? And you're going through the trials and tribulations, the heartaches and suffering. You're going through the fire. Amen. And He, uh, he doesn't always keep you from it, but He promises you He'll see you through it. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Next to last book of the Old Testament. So uh, that may help a little bit. It's not a very large book in volume. But boy, it is a mountain in doctrinal teaching. And uh, there's a lot of things in the book of Zechariah. I don't know, maybe we as a church will go through that book. I don't think I've taught through that book here. Uh, maybe we'll do that one day. What I want to talk to you about this morning is really primarily a message to us as men. I started to save this. I'm sorry? Uh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Glad you noticed that. Uh, we're going to be, uh, hold on just one second. And uh, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. I didn't line anybody up to push the button this morning. My wife is absent. She's out of town. And uh, she'll be back uh, next Friday. So be praying for me as I'm batching it for the week. But uh, we're going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 through 5. What I want to talk about this morning is plucked out of the fire. I started to save this for uh, for Father's Day. It's really primarily a message for us as men, but not only for us as men. It's applicable to anybody and everybody, but we're going to be looking at a man by the name of Joshua. And we're not talking about Joshua of the Old Testament that led the nation of Israel into the Promised Land and across the Jordan. This is a different Joshua, and uh, he was the high priest in the nation of Israel at the time. And we're going to be applying some of the things here in these first five verses, not only to us as men who should be the high priest of the home, of the family, of our loved ones. God has placed us in that position, by the way. God placed us as the spiritual leader in our house. I think we as men, not only uh, in the church, but primarily in the world, have really stepped down and taken a back seat uh, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to church, when it comes to Bible. We want our wives to take that leadership position um, for a lot of various reasons. One of the reasons is we just have become honestly lazy uh, in that position. Why? Well, because the ladies are willing to do it. And they'll take our children to church, um, and we don't have to be worried with it. Uh, I'm thankful. Boy, I was I was counting noses a while ago. I'm a bean counter, amen? I know Paul hates that. I've been using it so long, brother. I've been trying to curtail myself, all right? <laughs> He's an accountant, a bookkeeper. He hates that terminology, bean counter. And uh, I'll try to do better, all right? But uh, I was counting, counting heads a while ago of how many men we have here in our facility, and I am so thankful 
Uh, I remember for a while we didn't have hardly any. It was like one, me, and maybe a couple others that showed up every once in a while. But uh, God has blessed us, and I am thankful for that. But I want to be an encouragement to you and even to other men, maybe your friends. You need to reach out into people's lives and have an impact in their homes, in their families, in their world, in their life, and also in our church as high priest of the home and the family. You look at chapter 5 and verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3 and verse 1, and it says this, And he showed me, and we're speaking of God, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And by the way, I believe that angel of the Lord is uh, none other than the pre-incarnate Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now you have the high priest standing before the Son of God. This is also a picture to me of the judgment day. One day, every man, woman, boy, and girl, men and women, are going to stand before the judge. If we are Christians, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be two judgments. One's going to be for us Christians, and the other are going to be for the lost world. We as Christians are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but the lost world are, are going to stand before the great white throne judgment. You hear people all the time saying, I'll see you at the great white throne. Don't say that to me, brother, because I ain't going to be there. That's going to be for lost folks. But we as Christians will stand before the Bema seat, the mercy seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And Christ is going to be sitting on that throne and He's going to judge us, not as to whether we are saved or not, but as to how we lived our lives as Christians. Boy, you have a picture of that here. You have a picture of that right here in the Bible, in the book of Zechariah, in chapter 3 and verse 1, where it says, He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the throne of God, or before the angel of the Lord, or before Jesus Christ Himself. Oh, and it says, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now the Bible calls Satan the great accuser of the brethren. He's going to stand before God and point at you as a Christian, whether you're man, woman, boy, or girl, makes no difference. But let me tell you something, gentlemen, that you as the high priest of your home and family, which is what really this is a picture of, we're going to stand before God and give an account not only of our sin in our lives, but one particular sin in our life that we as high priest is how did we lead our loved one? How did we fulfill that position of high priest in our home, in our family, in our world, in our life? And when we're standing there before Jesus Christ on the throne, Satan's going to be standing there beside us, accusing us to God, before God, before the Lord, and saying, oh, listen, here's what he did. He, he ain't going to tell you the truth. He's going he's gonna to cover up. He's going to gloss over it. He's going to make himself look better than he really is. Let me tell you where he was and what he was doing instead of what he was supposed to be doing. It goes on to say this. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Satan standing there accusing the high priest before God, And the Lord said unto the Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Israel rebuke thee. 
Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Boy, what a beautiful picture that is of every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever been saved. I love the thought of a of a fireplace. It doesn't have the wire screen in front of it and it's blazing hot. And all of a sudden, something on the inside of the fire pops. And a brand or a piece of charcoal or a piece of the unburned wood that is brightly glowing pops out and lands on the mantle, on the fireplace, away from the fire. And you watch it. You look at it. And all of a sudden, that glowing hot ember is laying there separated from the fire and it grows darker and darker and darker and loses its heat, loses its fire. You look at what it goes on to say. Is not this one brand plucked out of the fire? And then in verse 3 it says, Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garment and stood before the angel of the Lord, or the Lord Jesus Christ, on the judgment throne. See, that is that brand that was plucked out of the fire. I thank God that God plucked me out of the fires of hell, and I deserved hell. So did you. So did we all. I love that picture in this story as well, that God plucked us out of the fire. We were lost. We were undone without God, without His Son. We were on our way to an eternal lake of fire except for the grace of God that reached into my heart, into my soul, illuminated, regenerated, woke me up, drew me to Himself. He literally plucked me out of the fire that was awaiting me for eternity. It wasn't that I plucked myself out. I can't do that. I can't fix what's wrong with me when I'm dead. Dead people don't fix dead people. But God fixes us. When He reaches in our heart, illuminates, regenerates, wakes us up from our deadness, plucks us out of the fire. But my friend, once we are separated from the fires of hell, we should be on fire for God. We should have the love of God shed abroad in our heart. And we should be so on fire with God for God that we want to tell everybody who He is and what He's done in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives. We should have a desire by the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us that wants us to be faithful to God, to be in the house of God, studying the Word of God, hiding it in our heart that we might not sin against the glory of God, that we might be used by Him and for Him for whatever it is that He purposes for our lives. But we as the high priest of our home and family. We were in that fire when we got saved. See, God plucked us out of the fires of hell, placed us in the fires of the Holy Spirit, and in the church, in the Word of God, and all of a sudden, that fire popped. What's the pop? I don't know. What was it that popped you away from the holiness and the red-hot fire of God that landed you outside of the fire on the mantle, and all of a sudden you started growing cold? separated from church, separated from the Word of God, separated from the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, we got darker and darker and colder and colder and calloused, more and more hardened from the things of the flesh. I'll tell you what what does that is the trials and tribulations, the heartaches and sufferings. That is a fire that causes us sometimes to pop. You know, it's, it's people's... I have people... 
In my own family, I have a brother-in-law that, that says, man, I ain't going to church. Why not? Ain't a real church anymore. What do you mean? Well, all them people, they're not living for God. They don't love Him. They're not living their life for Him. They're, they're, they're just, you know, they're on again, off again. There are no real churches today. I'm not going down there and sit in a pew with a bunch of hypocrites. And you see, that's the fire that popped and caused him to get away from what really is the fire. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you something. How's that working out for you? Are you being more, more faithful to God since you popped out of the church when you popped away from the fire, when you got away from the Holy Spirit, you got away from the Word of God? You being more faithful, how's your language? How's your lifestyle? You living a better life for the glory and honor of God outside of the church than you are inside the church, and of course, his head went down when I asked him that question. My friend, we've got to be faithful to God because we as men especially are the high priest of the home and the family. God has given us a duty. And it's not a request, it's a commandment. And for us not to be faithful to the house of God, the people of God, the Word of God, is to soil our garments. And now this in verse 4 again, I'm sorry, verse 3, says, Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and stood before the angel. We stand before God every day. Sometimes the pride and arrogance of our heart making us think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I go to church. I give my tithes. I live my life for God. And yet we know deep in our hearts. Our, our clothing is soiled. The priestly garment that God has given us to wear. The leadership of the home and the family, the children, even the grandchildren, rests on our shoulders. Not our wives, not our mothers, not our grandmothers. Even though I'm proud of their steadfastness and, and their commitment. You know, I, I believe that the church is a picture of the marriage. And, and we, we think that a marriage is a 50-50 relationship. That the husband's supposed to do his part. The woman, female's supposed to do her part. The wife. And that if they put in 50, they put in 50. Then it's 100 and we make this thing work. Well, that's not right. That's not the way that works. Sometimes the, the wife can put in 30. She's not up. And we've got to put in 70. Sometimes the husband only puts in 20 and the wife puts in 80, but as long as we achieve the 100% goal, and I'm thankful for the wives stepping up, filling the shoes that we as the men of the church should be filling. But it's time for us to take that weight back on our own shoulders and to live the life that God has called us to live, to fulfill the purpose that God has given us as the high priest of the home and the family, to be an example of Christianity and Christ to our wives, to our children, to the people who we work with or that we hunt with and that we are friends with in this world. They should look at us and not only hear that we are Christians, but they should look at us and see Christ in our lives. How do they see Christ? Well, that fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace that I mentioned this morning. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Those are the ways that we fulfill the call of Christ in our life. It goes on to say this in verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed 
with the filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garment from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity, your sin. You know what iniquity is? It's a type of sin. It's doing good in the flesh is one of the main definitions. It's not that we're we're really doing anything bad. It's just that we're not accomplishing the purpose that God has for our lives. It's not doing what we're supposed to do. It's not, it's not that what we're doing is, is sinful or wretched or ugly or red like district horrid sins in our lives, but we are not fulfilling the purpose that God has called for us. I've cleansed your iniquity. How? How does He do that? Well, of course, all sin is washed by the blood. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you what, the price that was paid for my sin. It's an awesome price. It's wonderful, glorious, beautiful, horrid, wretched price. That God was willing to give up heaven, put on flesh, go to the cross, shed His blood and die for me is bittersweet. I'm so thankful that He was willing to do it. That I'm willing to lay down my life for His glory and His honor because it cuts me to the quick to know that God had to die for me to be made holy. To be be made righteous. For me to be called a child of God. But it says this, He answered and spake unto those that stood before Him, saying, Take away the filthy garment from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity. I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Do you realize that it is not we who fix our problems, our sin, our wretchedness, our filthiness, but that it is God through the blood, through the sacrifice, through the love, of Christ and for us what is our part well we confess we repent we turn god has already saved us god has already washed us in the blood of christ but now we've i remember when peter saw jesus wade off into the jordan river and and uh he told John the Baptist, you know, I need to be baptized. John the Baptist says, oh no, I need to be baptized of these. He says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to baptize you. I need to have be baptized. He said, suffer it to be so now that all righteousness might be fulfilled. All of my righteousness that it takes for me to go to heaven was fulfilled by the life and death of Jesus Christ in his resurrection. But Peter was washing disciples' feet and Jesus came. He said, Peter, let me, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus was washing his And Peter came and said, let me, let me wash your feet. Peter says, oh no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Just like John the Baptist says, oh no, Lord, I'm not, I, I have need to be baptized of thee. But Jesus said, Peter, let me wash your feet. Peter says, no, I'm not letting you touch my feet. I have, I, I, I'll wash yours. Peter said, the Lord said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. Peter says, Really? Well, here, you wash my hands, you wash my feet, you wash my head, you wash me all over because I want something to do with you, Lord. And the Lord said, Peter, you don't need washing all over. 
You've already been washed in the blood. But you've been walking through this world and you've got your feet dirty. See, we as the men of the church, we as women, boys and girls, we as human beings walk every day through this sinful world and we get our feet dirty. We as the high priest of the home and family have soiled garments. We have dirty feet. Christ is there. If we confess our sin, He's willing and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will wash away our sin in the blood of Jesus Christ. He already has done that. All of my sin. We use that though. We say, well listen, my sin yesterday, my sin today, my sin forever, even in the future, is already under the blood of Christ. Can I live the way I want to and still go to heaven? My friend, if that is your attitude... See, if that's all you care about is whether I make it through the gates of glory, whether I have my little shack in the back, then there's something wrong in the heart. See, I want something to do with the Lord, not only in heaven one day in the sweet by and by apple pie in the sky when I die, but I want that fellowship with Him here and now, in this world, in this life. I want that verse where it says He answered and spake unto those that stood before Him saying, Hey, y'all y'all take away that filthy garment from Him. Why? Because He has confessed and repented and turned away from His sin. And He said unto Him, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. His end of it is the sacrifice, the blood. My end of it is the repentance and confession. My friend, do you have any conviction as a man, for the failure we have towards our homes and families. For not being the man that God has called us to be to our wives and to our children, to our grandchildren. I can look in my own family's lives and listen, I can stand with my hand before God and say, God, I love you and I'm striving to be the man you want me to be. But I know that in my family I have loved ones that are falling by the wayside. But I can honestly say, Lord, it's not because I've not lived the life in front of them. It's not because I'm not telling them the truth. I'm not telling them what they need, want to hear. I'm telling them what they need to hear. And I'm taking the lifestyle and the choices in my own life that not only say it verbally, but say it by how I live my life. Brother, that is what God is calling us to do, to be an example to be the high priest of our home. Remember what a priest does. A priest and a prophet. A priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. Are you going to God for your wives and for your children? Are you on your face? Are you on your knees? Are you living your life in such a way that God not only hears you verbally, but He hears the lifestyle that you're living? The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We as the men of God, we as the high priest of our home and family, we have a duty not only to God, but we have a duty to our families to live a holy and righteous life that says, I love you. I love God more than I love you. But I love Him more because I love you so much that I'm willing to sacrifice my life 
We should love our wives and our families with the love of Christ. Christ loved the church so much that He laid down His life for it. And it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. See, no, we'd rather put our wives up front, let them live their lives for Christ so we can do what we want to do rather than lay down our lives for the glory and honor of God and for the love of our families. And be the man, be the high priest that God has called us to be. It says this, He answered and spake unto those that stood before Him, saying, Take away the filthy garment from Him. And He said unto Him, or And unto Him He said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. With a change. You understand that when God comes into your heart, when God washes your garment, when God changes your life, all things pass away. All things are new. You become a new creation. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And then He said, I said unto them, And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set that fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Well, I'll tell you, I want the angel of the Lord. I want the Lord Jesus Christ to stand by me. I want to stand by him. But more than that, I want the judgment, the wrath of God to be stood by. You see, I know that I don't have to pay the ultimate price, the wage of my sin, because I am a child of God. But I do not use that as an excuse to not live the life that God has called me to live, because I understand this, that even though I'm saved, even though I'm a child of God, I may not have to pay or face the wrath of God for eternity in the future. But my friend, I understand what it's like to go to the woodshed Here and now. The Lamb of God. The angel of the Lord. Stood by. That means he held back. The chastisement. The punishment. That was coming to Joshua. The high priest. Whose garments were soiled with sin. Because he confessed and repented. And a mitre was put on his head. That was that crown of righteousness. That was that authority and leadership that had been replaced by submission. See, we are the initiators as men. Our wives are the responders. My friend, we have taken off that mitre's hat, placed it on them, and now they have become the initiators. They have become the leaders of the home and the family, spiritually, in the church. It's time for us to repent and to live the life God has called us to live. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your love.